Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So, Quiggs, it has been a minute since we podcasted together and a shit ton of stuff has happened. One could say, Steve, that it has been a while. It has been a while in the words of the, I, do I call them classic band stained? I don't know what you call them. They, One of the greatest new metal, new metal bands. <laughs> quite time. a title. Quite a claim to fame yeah, right there. Honestly. Let me tell you. But yeah, I mean, since we've last recorded, I have moved houses in South Philly. I've gotten a puppy who's bitten me about 1,600 times, but he's been adorable every time he's done it, so who cares? And uh, he's got me sleep-deprived. And the Flyers have done a bunch of stuff. And I had a whole thing I wanted to talk about, like a story that happened last week. But you know what? We just got to get into it. We got to talk about the hockey. And we got to start with the first pick from the 2023 draft. Seventh overall to your Philadelphia Flyers. Oh one. Matvey Mishkov, holy shit, Quigs. This was like, when I was talking with Maddie, this was like a dream scenario that we didn't think was remotely possible. Uh, like, maybe remotely. Like, there, there was a little bit of possibility that Mishkov would be available because GMs would overthink it. And lo and behold, they overthought the fuck out of this. It So, okay, I had a feeling that GMs were going to do some wild, like galaxy braining this year because it's such a deep draft and it's like you don't have to overthink it there are so many good prospects that like you you, just take them take the best player available and literally the second pick the anaheim ducks were like i gotta take leo carlson and don't get me wrong leo carlson i like him a lot he's gonna be a really good player but i think adam fantilli's like different we talked the entire, like, coming into the draft, it was all Fantilli, Fantilli, Fantilli. He's the second best player, maybe the third best player, depending on your definition yeah. of Mishkov. But, like, Fantilli seemed like the slam dunk number two. Everyone was saying the draft was going to start at three. Like, that's where the draft started, because everyone knew that one and two was going to be Bedard and Fantilli, respectively. And then the like, there had been chatter the days leading up to the draft that... Um, Verbeek, the Ducks general manager, was going to do something, pot- potentially going to do something weird. And he did. And uh, yeah, very odd. But forget about the Ducks. Forget about Carlson. This is, a, this is Steve, this is the Matt Vemishkov hour. Like, maybe not hour. But at least the next 30 minutes. Because like, <laughs> he, he is... I love that we have like, everything in the world to talk about flyers wise and like both of us have to wake up early and couldn't start till late and we're like well this might not be the one i feel like we got to make this up to the people we got to get like no we i feel like we got to get we have to talk about out like between the next full one but we'll get into that yes i know i agree because like this is just such so here's my thing with the flyers drafting mishkov i it's not even the fact that like, it's not even Mishkov that excites me, which, don't get me wrong, he does. Like, he's going to be a really good player, 
I think for a very long time when he eventually comes to the Flyers. And before I go any further, let me just say this. He's coming to the Flyers. Yeah, it might take a couple years. It might take three years, the full length of his contract. But like, there's going to be so many doomsdayers saying like, oh, it's going to be another Ivan Fedotov situation. And can we just take a chill pill for a second and realize that players have come over from Russia to the NHL in the last year since the Ivan Fedotov situation happened. Like Kuzmenkov came over and played very well for the Canucks last season. And like that worked out for them. Why couldn't it work out for the Flyers as well? Um, so let me just say that he's going to play for the Flyers one day. I don't know if he's, if we're going to have to wait the whole three years. He said basically after he got drafted like he even he's not sure when he's going to come over but as soon as he can he's going to that's what he said one of the things i love about this kid is that he can't fucking wait to put on that orange and black jersey yes he seems so stoked about being drafted by the philadelphia flyers and goddamn, do i love that did you see that video that the flyers posted on twitter where it's like the the camera's like going around him and like he like he's wearing his jersey and everything and he kissed the Flyers logo on the crest. Kiss the flying P. I mean, what more can you ask for? Listen, I'm not trying I'm not trying to dunk any on anyone right now, but Oliver Donk Oliver Donk or Bonk, excuse me. I'm, Mark I Donk. got him confused with I got him confused with Mark Donk. And see, and, and Quiggs, this is a, such a generational gap for us here because you think Mark Donk when you see Bonk, but I think of his dad, Radic fucking Bonk, one of the weirdest hockey names yeah. of all time. But we'll talk about him when we get to it. Mark Bonk didn't kiss the didn't kiss the uh, the crest. Steve. I've never seen anybody. So, I've never kissed the crest. Yeah, not putting Mark Bonk, Mark Donk, whatever the, the fucking Oliver. Oliver Bonk, on, dude, I'm all fucked up right now, Steve. Um, I'm not putting Oliver Bonk on the shit list, but he didn't kiss that crest. You know who did? Mishkov. Matvey Mishkov. Matvey Mishkov, Matvey did. Mishkov, man. But here's the thing with him. Here's the thing. Like, this is not... What, what excites me about him isn't the fact that it's him, and he's going to be an unbelievable player when he eventually comes to the Flyers. Like, he he scored at a better clip, more consistent clip than Alex Ovechkin did in his draft year. Oh, wow. So just let that sink in real quick. Um, but what excites me about this selection is the fact that the Flyers actually did it. They did it, Steve. Like, this is not a Flyers pick. This is not the type of thing that the Philadelphia Flyers do. Take a big swing on a player with this high an upside and is there a lot of risk with him? Yeah. Like, I, I get the geopolitical situation in Russia. Um, I get his contract situation. And I get that they don't want to, most teams wouldn't want to wait. But you know what? The Flyers are rebuilding. They are not going to be competing the next couple of years anyway. Go for it. And they did. And they actually did it. And they took a big swing on a m- astronomically like high-end prospect. And it really looks like this could work out for like this could this is a big moment in Flyers history because it shows that there's a clear philosophical difference between where they were and where they are now. And that needed to happen. I love the philosophical change. That's fantastic. But I also love the fact that the Flyers got some potential luck for once. Things might have actually 
shaken yeah. out the Flyers' way, which it felt like something had to happen eventually. Because he shouldn't have been available. A player of that talent level should not be available at number seven. Because this is a franchise player, potentially. This really could be the cornerstone of the Philadelphia yeah. Flyers in a few years. No, I agree. Yeah. And this is another situation of teams kind of kind of galaxy braining. Like, I feel like... And this is one of the things I talked about going into this draft, that, that a team could galaxy brain the shit out of this. And they did, because, like, teams do that. They overthink things. Yeah, I mean, look at the Ducks. We just talked about the Ducks. Um, other than Bedard and Fantilli, I mean, every... So let's run down the picture real There's quick. no reason... There's no reason anyone else should have gone... There's no reason he should have gone later than three, no, honestly. No. So, like, Bedard... Slam dunk number one. Everybody knew it. Everybody and their mother knew it. Yeah. Number two, everybody expected Fantilli. Uh, very surprised to see Leo Carlson, but Carlson was expected top four regardless. Like, Leo Carlson yes, was yeah. not falling to the Flyers. It's not a chance in hell. Fantilli at number three, there was no way the Columbus Blue Jackets were letting Fantilli pass by. Not a chance in hell. And good on them for having him fall to them. Uh, yeah. Then the Sharks are your first chance to really take Mishkov here, right? Yeah. Uh, and they went ahead and picked Will Smith, who Will Smith was expected to be in the top five. That one, okay, that makes sense right there. But then Montreal comes up, and this is your first real shocker of the draft. I mean, number two was pretty shocking, but I think Montreal taking Reinbacher at five was tr- a true stunner right there. I, I heard that Montreal was really into Reinbacher. They must have been to take him at five because Reinbacher, from all I heard, was like the best defenseman in the draft, but not necessarily a top, you know, six or seven guy to pick. Yeah. Like I heard in the days leading up to the draft that like, hey, don't be surprised if they take Reinbacher. Um, I was nervous that they were going to take Mishkov because I just had a feeling that they were like, screw it, let's do it. And I thought that that was the route they were going to take and they didn't. And they went with Reinbacher, and I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, we were at, I will tell you what, and just to talk about the draft party for a minute, incredible atmosphere at the live casino for the draft party this year. If you thought it was good last year, and it was really good last year, it was tremendous this year. Everybody, there was a huge crowd. Everybody was into it. And uh, I got to give some props to the Philadelphia Flyers, who actually, like, paid for the first $1,000 in drinks at the event. Dan Hilferty paid for the first thousand dollars in drinks that's unbelievable and dan hilferty pretty much wined and dined broad street hockey i friggin love it man and i'm all about it they can wine and dine me all they want and this was just can we officially say that dan hilferty is friend of the show i think he is a friend of the show at this point he absolutely i think he's a friend of the show Yeah. yeah but i mean incredible move by the flyers their classy move i mean we had some great alumni the fridge was in the house riley coyote bob kelly i know there's one other guy in my apologies to that gentleman who name i have forgotten at this moment but you know we had alumni in the house we had food everybody was in high spirits but when reinbacher was taken by montreal that's when things started buzzing at the party big time very interesting that William the Fridge Perry was at the Flyers draft party. I love that. Um, William the Fridge Perry. Oh, Todd Fedorik, yeah. my friend who... William the Fridge Perry. Todd, F- Todd Fedorik's claim to fame in my mind is every Flyers alumni game, he ends up playing with guys who were like way out of his weight class talent-wise. So it's always very funny because I think at the one big one he played against the uh, the Penguins alumni, he played with Simone Gagne and Danny Briere. Slightly unrelated. I just learned that William the Fridge Perry 
He's only six foot two. Oh wow! No, he was a heavy man though. What was his weight? He was. Oh, I don't even want to know. But I think you do. I assumed he was like six five or six six. That's weird that he's only six two. All right, back on topic. So, yeah, I, I, Steve, I hate that I wasn't at the draft party. Like, I despise the fact that I wasn't there. It looked so much fun. I saw everyone was having a great time. It was tons that of reaction, fun. That pop. All, all three hundred and thirty-five yeah. pounds of William the Refrigerator Perry fun. Oh, is that how much he weighs? That's what I just googled there. But yeah, yeah. Oh just, wow. Okay. Oh wow. But talking about the party, man. Yeah, that pop. Uh, so yeah, Reinbacher gets picked. And it starts buzzing. And then the Coyotes come up. And we think, okay, we don't think the Coyotes are going to pick Mishkov here. But there is a chance. There is a chance, especially if a, if one franchise in the NHL can wait around for a guy. It's the Arizona friggin' Coyotes. Who won't even, we don't even know where they're going to be playing in three years. They were never going to take Madve Mishkov. Because, not because he's Russian. Clearly, they don't care about drafting a Russian sixth overall. Because they did. They just picked the far worse one. Like, I, I'll be honest with you, I can't even remember the guy they picked. Dimitri I don't care to look. Simashev. Yeah. Um, Who, I hope he has I, a great I, I didn't see him on career. any list. I hope he does. 10. I didn't see him on one list in yeah, the top no. 10. I hope he has a wonderful career. Um, wow. Like, what, were you, what are you even doing, Coyote? Like, this is why the... Fans, the the 10 fans in Phoenix can't have nice things. Like, this is just... The Phoenix Coyotes... Or Phoenix Coyotes. The Arizona Coyotes just have unbelievably, incredibly, unfathomably incompetent management. And this is just the latest example of how and why. But when that happened, I was like, oh my God. there He's right there. He's right the Flyers there. Can, the Flyers can draft him. He fell to the Flyers and then... That's when the pressure was really on, and I'm I'm gonna. Re- I recorded from the event pretty much the entire night, and it's gonna take a little bit to piece that all together. But I'm gonna try and have that out this weekend. That was a lot of fun, and I just love that I captured that moment when all of this went down, and it really was a special moment right there. And then when Jonesy comes up to the podium, we're like, oh my god, are they gonna do the damn thing? Danny Briere starts talking. He stumbles a little bit. We're like, oh, no. What? What is it? What is it? And then he says... He got nervous. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. I mean, dude, I mean, it was just a, a crazy scene. And maybe the most excited I've ever been for a Flyers draft pick. And as risky as Mishkov may be from the Russian perspective, from the quote-unquote personality perspective, guess what? The Flyers did their due friggin' diligence with... Mishkov's personality and all of that, like all of his character, because they had two, they had a secret visit with this guy. They were very, very serious about him. And he, as we talked about earlier, he seems just psyched to be a Philadelphia Flyer and you love to see it. Yeah. Steve, I can't wait to see him just pounding beers at Eagles games on Sundays (laughs) when he comes over. I mean, I can't wait for like the, I can't wait for the shaky iPhone footage of him in like the luxury boss, like in the luxury box with like Joel Embiid, and they're just like pounding beers, it, just it's celebrating. Cu- like or, it's cute that you think you Joel remember? Embiid will be here in three years. I, I know, I know. <laughs> I I just thought about, that. but like, do you remember when uh, Jake Elliott kicked that like sixty-three yard field goal to beat the Giants back in the Super Bowl season? Oh yeah, how can I forget? What an incredible moment! Remember when Joel Embiid like was there. 
and like someone got video of him in the press box or in the luxury box and he was just losing his yeah. shit. Like that's going to be, that's going to be Matt Mishkov one day, it Steve. It could be, man. It could be. And I'm just, I'm excited about him, man. Like he is just such a talented player and he could be that just, We've been talking about big swings for so long at this point, and the Flyers not taking big swings and desperately needing to. And this is the guy. This is the risk they needed to take, and this is the luck we needed in the draft. And he really is a special talent. I just, I wish I could just fast forward a couple years to see how he looks in the orange and black. He is indeed a very special talent. Like, you look at his numbers, like... He so all right at the U18 um, World Championship. I think it was twenty. Yeah, it was twenty twenty one. He won tournament MVP. He scored twelve goals and sixteen points in seven games and led Russia to a gold. And then literally, like two three months later, he won another gold with Russia at the Helenka Grudsky Cup, and he scored eight goals, thirteen points in five games. Dude is incredible, and need I not remind everybody that he broke Alex Ovechkin's record as the youngest player to ever play for Russia's national team. How about that? Like that's that's kind of interesting. Dude right is, there. Yeah. This dude is he is him. He is absolutely him. And the literally the only reason he wasn't drafted second overall is because he's Russian. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the only well, and his contract. If he didn't have the contract, I'm sure he'd probably have gone. Higher, but his. Uh, let me rephrase that. His contract is the main reason why um, he didn't get drafted higher. If he didn't have that th- three years remaining left with um, uh, <laughs> Ska St. Petersburg, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, as, yeah, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Um, with SKA St. Petersburg, he would have gone number two, and in most drafts, he would have gone number one. Like I'm willing to say that in probably. Eight out of ten drafts, he would be the number one overall pick. Um, I mean, this dude is unreal. And granted, there's a lot we still don't know about his play. Um, There's just not a ton of footage of him out there because of all the copyright laws or situations or whatever. Um, But from what we know of him and from what, the scouts who actually know what they're talking about have seen from him. This dude is the real friggin' deal. And the flyers got him at seven. The flyers got him at seven. Seven. We were talking about guys like we were talking about Benson. We were talking about Reinbacher. Dalibor Dvorsky. Dvor- uh, Dvorsky. I saw one of the mock drafts had Dvorsky at seven. I'm like, there's no way Briere's doing that. No. Come on. Leonard no. was a big-time pick. A lot of people thought Leonard was going to go to the Flyers. He ended up going to the Capitals. I would have been happy with Leonard or Benson or somebody yeah. like that. But, like, I wouldn't have been over the moon. This is the only pick that really got me over the moon excited like this is phenomenal because you shouldn't get this kind of talent at seven you just shouldn't and this fits the flyers timeline this is actually perfect for the flyers timeline yeah i mean danny Breer even said i think it was last thursday in the lead up to the draft he basically said like yeah we don't care about next year or the year after that like we don't care at all we're looking to like the years after that. We're trying to find the players who will become the best NHL players when they are ready for the NHL. And um, I, I mean, that's that's Mishkov. There, he's going to have a couple more years. Yeah, 
I, I don't for some reason, I'm not wanting to say three years because it's like the way he's been talking and the way he said, like, it, it's almost like he's going to try and get out of this contract earlier somehow. I don't know how that's going to well, listen. But... Comcast has deep friggin' pockets. Let's make it happen. They do. Let's make it happen. Yeah. I don't care how we have to make it happen. Let's make it happen and bring Fedotov over with him so we can trade Carter Hart. Uh, <laughs> Oh, God. Is that the segue? That wasn't actually the segue there. but we, I was going to say, is that the segue to Carter Hart conversation? We could talk, I mean, yeah, honestly, I wouldn't mind if we have a shorter amount of time, maybe talking some trade stuff and then getting into the deep draft stuff next week. Uh, I did want to briefly comment. I think it's I, it's not who I would have picked at 22. I would not have picked Radic Bonk's kid, but I think it's hilarious that they picked Radic Bonk's kid because that's just one of my favorite 90s hockey player names. It's just a ridiculous... I think there was a Sega game called like Bonk's Adventure or something like that, and I always thought of that with Radic Bonk. Just a, an unreal name. Very funny name. It's just like... I was going to make a video um, and tweet it out this weekend, and I didn't. I was just going to like take a bunch of highlights of... Oliver Bonk like hitting people and just whenever he makes initial contact with that player just put the bonk sound effect over it bonk. <laughs> like bonk. it was actually fantastic at the party when they picked bonk because everybody just started going bonk <laughs> I know bonking everyone on the head there you go bopping like everybody Captain on the Caveman. nose yeah yeah no exactly <laughs> it's very it's very funny yeah, I mean, I, we could get into the whole nitty-gritty on the rest of the draft, but I think there's a lot of interesting trade stuff that's happened, a lot of interesting trade rumors out there. But uh, thanks again to everybody who came out to the draft party. It might have been our best yet. Yeah. And Gritty, I can't believe you didn't come, and I also can't believe you were in my neighborhood and didn't stop by my new house. That's just disrespectful. Guess who is going to be at next year's draft party? It's going to be me. It's going to be you. And guess who's going to be better be Gritty? Guess who's going to be living in Philadelphia next year? Me hey, hey. and yeah, it better be gritty too. Better be gritty. Gritty better be if gritty is. Listen, I know he had some important things to deal with. He had to reopen I ninety five. Gritty was actually I get it. the one who was making the Mishkov pick. Oh my god! Could you could you imagine if like Keith Jones went up? Gritty was actually negotiating with Vladimir Putin. The, well, honestly, what I think what happened was. Um, they had Matt Vamishkov come in for the visit and they put him in a small room and Gritty just walked in and stared at him and he didn't sit down. He just stood towering above Matt Vamishkov squeaking and stared at him. And then he just squeaked his hands as if he was cracking his knuckles <laughs> and exited the room. And since that moment, mysteriously, Matt Vamishkov has wanted to be a flyer. There you go. It's, it's all gritty. That's what it all comes down to. It's all about gritty over there. Yeah. But let's let's talk about some of the <laughs> trade stuff right here. So since we last spoke, Kevin Hayes was traded from the Philadelphia Flyers, and it was almost a mammoth deal. It was almost a huge okay. deal. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay. So this was, this past Saturday was one of the wildest days I've experienced w with the Flyers. Like, that was it was a wild day of two things that have not even that never even like ended up happening. So basically, according to reports, the Flyers were in discussions to basically have a unbelievable blockbuster trade with the St. Louis Blues. Part of the trade or the players included in the trade. And these are only the players that we know about. Who knows who else was involved? 
Um, but the players we know were involved were Kevin Hayes, Travis Sanheim, and of course the man who kind of uh, really, for lack of better phrasing, destroyed the trade from happening or kept the trade from happening was uh, Blues defenseman Tory Krug. He essentially, like, the whole, the whole reason it didn't go down is because he didn't want to move his no-trade clause, which, let me say, Steve, is in his right, and I don't blame him. Oh, I don't blame him at all. It just sucks that it came down to Tory friggin' Krug, why they didn't yeah. make this trade happen. Because, I, I mean, I'm a big Travis Sanheim fan and supporter, but given his last season and the term on that contract... If they can get out of that, let's do it. I like Travis Sanheim too, but like that, that he, I don't think he's worth that contract. I don't think he earned that term. Um, my big question about that trade is how did, why was Tory Krug even involved with the deal? Like, why did they not figure out if he was going to include Philly on his no trade list before? his involvement in the trade at all. So why was that not? I wonder if this is just me speculating here, but I wonder if the blues and the flyers were having the conversations and I wonder if everything got leaked a little too early there. And yeah, because like, I think they just had the conversation and maybe the blues were like, you know, if we get out of this contract, that'd be great, but he's got an NTA. And then Briere says, well, see if he gets out of it and you know, if he'll wave it and then we'll make it happen. And then they call him. And you know, I think that's probably the timeline here. Uh, but you know, regardless, like it didn't happen. And now Sanheim's very aware that they're trying to trade him. And Kevin Hayes has been traded for basically nothing. Yeah. And it more or less is a buyout from the flyers because Hayes got traded for a sixth round pick and the flyers are retaining half the cap hit every season. So, it's more or less a shorter buyout with less money involved. No, essentially that's what it is. And it's a shame that they couldn't get real value for a decent player on the roster just because the coach and him don't get along. And I mean, good on Briere for giving Hayes a good opportunity in a market. I think that he'll, he'll be pretty good fit on the St. Louis blues, I think, but it's a shame that they couldn't make it work out with torts. And this trade only happened because him and torts just, are they just don't get along. Yeah. The issue I have with the trade and Briere didn't really have much leverage here because it was so, so public that they had to trade Kevin Hayes and his contract was so just not immovable, obviously, because it did get moved, but like it it was a big contract and teams didn't want to have to deal with that full salary. So um, the thing that is, the the hard pill to swallow is the fact that Kevin Hayes is good. Like I know, listen, I know he didn't, he and John Tortorella didn't get along. And I know there were questions at times about Hayes's uh, effort away from the puck, but for the most part, he was a good player. Like he was, he had the best season of his career last season. Um, So it, it's a shame that the Flyers couldn't capitalize and get a bigger return for him. But Again, they didn't really have much leverage, and it certainly didn't help that John Tortorella throughout the season was like, yeah, Kevin Hayes stinks, basically, is what he was saying. So without saying it outright. So, um, yeah, it's a bummer that it came down to the Flyers getting a six-round pick in next year's draft. Um, But it is what it is, and now he's a blue. 
And the thing is, and and also, I want to say this. No, oh no, not at all. The cap space shouldn't bother anybody because like we were talking about earlier, the Flyers are not going to be contending next year or the year after that. And maybe even the year after that. Like, I don't expect the Flyers to really contend much until Mishkov comes over. I'm thinking maybe Um, the year, like not next year or the year after, but the year after that, I'm expecting them to at least be back in the playoff like conversation, but not contending for a cup. I mean, I'm, I would hope that's, you know, a good progression right there. But, you know, the thing is, it ain't the next two years, right? They're not, they're not hoisting that cup over the next two years. So, you can keep that salary on Kevin Hayes. You can give him a nice start in St. Louis and just, we all move on. It's not a big deal. I've been really enjoying actually watching the flyers cap, just go down and down the cap friendly list because they've been right up there towards the top for a long time at this point. No, it's been very satisfying and it won't be surprising if they go down even further considering some of these other reports that are floating around. Yeah, so we were a little surprised that nothing really happened at the draft, but not totally surprised. Uh, But, you know, we've discussed this before, but the name's floating out there right now. I mean, Scott Lawton's name has been a big one for a couple weeks. Any new rumors, any fresh rumors on Scooty Lutz over there? Nothing on Scott Lawton, but it has, it was reported on Thursday before day two of the draft began that the Flyers are have been listening to calls on Travis Konechny. And I know that's been a big hot topic of conversation over the last couple months. Like, will the Flyers trade Travis Konechny? And it sounds like they, unless they get a deal that's going to blow them out of the water, they are not going to trade him. At least until the trade deadline. And th- next that's how it should so, be because like right. he's, they need to get a big return. He's got a great relationship with Torts, even though it was funny. We didn't expect him to have that relationship. Yeah. And he, he's just not a player that you trade unless you get the right offer there. He's not somebody you have to rush right. out and trade. And frankly, he's one of the leaders on this team at this point. He really stepped up last season and he could be a flyer for the rest of his career. And I'd be perfectly content. Like I have no need to trade Travis Konechny unless a GM blows uh, Danny Breer away. Yeah, no, Konechny was amazing last season. I think, I know Carter Hart got team MVP, but like if Konechny doesn't miss a quarter of the season with injuries, he's probably the team MVP, honestly. Um, oh, I think so. so I, I think know, I would have voted for him for team MVP nonetheless. He, oh, he had my vote to begin with. Um, but, or maybe I said Carter, Carter Hart at the time. I don't know. I can't remember. Who cares? But um, yeah, it's, Konechny is, an excellent player. And um, I'll tell you what, Steve, maybe waiting around to the trade deadline isn't the worst idea considering teams. Look what the Tampa Bay lightning gave up for Tanner Janot. And he's like, not even that good. Now imagine what teams would give up for Travis Konechny on a very reasonable cap hit with two years left. Right. And the biggest argument for trading Konechny is the fact that he's got that reasonable cap hit. He's got two years left. And frankly, he probably had, I mean, his most productive season last season. So this certainly would be selling high on him if you did sell him. Yes. And also the fact that when he becomes a free agent in what, 2025? I think 2025. Yeah, 2025. Um he's going to require he like he's going to command a huge raise 
And at that point, he's going to be 20, I think 28, 29 years old. Um, and that's kind of the point where it's like, you know, you start to see players kind of, I don't want to say regress because players can still be really good at that age, but they kind of plateau out. Um, and it, from that point, it's only downhill. So I don't think it would be in their best interest to hold on to Konechny long term. I think, sure, hold on for, to him for now and see what you can get at the trade deadline. But I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if they get some insane offers at the trade deadline. Or even perhaps before that. Who knows? Like, maybe a desperate team needs, you know, something to help turn the season around and they offer something crazy um, in, you know, in November. Who knows? But it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities here. And at this point, I'm... I. It's more a matter of when, not if, Travis Konechny gets traded. That's ah, kind of a shame, but at the same time, as we discussed, it's probably the best time to go ahead and make that trade if you make that trade. I thought Lawton, going back to Lawton briefly, I thought Lawton was one of the guys also involved in the talks with the Blues. So I think there were reports about that, but I am... Uh not sure of that report's accuracy. Okay, so, okay, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. The only players that I know for a f- that I believe um were part of it were um Kevin Hayes, Travis Sanheim, Tory Krug, and reportedly the Flyers were potentially going to get back another first-run pick in this year's draft uh as well that would have been great if briere could have gotten another first round pick because you want to load up as much as possible now on the sandheim front i had seen that toronto and winnipeg had also had some discussions what are you calgary and calgary well calgary is always an interesting one because even though he's not technically from calgary uh that kind of counts as his hometown team as we all talked about when he got scratched when they played in calgary last season yeah, I mean, he spent three years playing his junior hockey there. He loves, I mean, he knows the saddle dome like the back of his hand at this point. Um, I mean, that would make some logical sense. I think he would do well there. Briere's got two days before that NTC clicks. <laughs> and that's, so that's the interesting part. Like, they're kind of playing beat the clock here if they're trying to move Sanheim because if they don't before July 1st, what's going to happen? Like, what's going to happen here? Um so they're going to be tied to Sanheim for, what, eight years unless he waives his no-trade clause. But then again, to be honest with you, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he waived his no-trade clause for two reasons. One, he knows the Flyers don't even want him. Like, now that's public. And two, it's pretty clear that he and John Tortorella aren't exactly buds. Right. So, um, and also, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he decided to waive that. He he also realizes that this team isn't close to contention, and if right. he can go to a team that, like, certainly Calgary's not that much closer. Well, no, they're a lot closer than the Flyers, but, you know, Calgary is a, a team that has a lot of problem retaining talent. Uh, if he could go somewhere like that, obviously Toronto's a great landing spot for anybody because they have three of the most talented offensive players in the game on that roster. So, you know why? For now, for now, for now, we'll see what happens. Well, until they trade for Travis Sanheim. 
Oh, yeah, that's right, because the Flyers are going to get William Nylander yeah. in, in return. They'll just accelerate the timeline. No, they're not going to do that. I am not of that expectation, especially after the Kevin Hayes trade, because you don't trade one of your better players for basically nothing if you're a team that intends to compete in any way next year. And thank God they don't intend to compete in any way next year. So on the trade front, you know, we talk Konechny, we talk Lawton, Sanheim. The other names up there, uh, Tony D'Angelo almost got traded, but the NHL actually stepped in. Uh, he almost was sent back to Carolina, which is hilarious because Carolina just basically stole a bunch of draft picks from the Flyers for one season of terrible, terrible yes. TDA play. And the Flyers, I think, would retain salary in the deal that was worked out. And it's my understanding that that deal will probably still happen, but it won't happen now. So, okay, yes, that's correct. From what has been reported, the Flyers and Hurricanes had an agreement that would send Tony D'Angelo back to Carolina for, I think, a low-end prospect. Like, not a prospect that will blow your socks off at all. Um, and the Flyers would retain 50% of his salary. So that would be $2.5 million that's on the books for next season for the Flyers. And that would be it. That would be... The end, because Tony D'Angelo only had a two-year contract, thankfully. Please be the end. Yes. So, um, the reason why that didn't end up going through is because apparently the NHL has a rule in place where you are unable to trade away a player and then reacquire that same player a year later, especially if there's salary retention involved, because apparently... If there's salary retention involved, then that's a cap circumvention situation and yada, yada, yada. So that's kind of why the NHL stepped in and said, no, 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 sir. You have to wait until July 9th because once they do it on July 9th, it's not cap circumvention anymore. But the annoying thing about this, the annoying thing about this is the contract that Tony D'Angelo signed, he didn't even sign his current contract with the Hurricanes. He signed it with the Flyers. It's unbelievable. So how, like, it's really dumb. Th- this but league whatever. lets every team basically launder money through the Arizona Coyotes. They let the, the Tampa Bay Lightning just hide players in the Phantom Zone and then magically pluck them out in time for the playoffs. But, uh, God the forbid. The Golden Knights! The, the entire Mark Stone! The Golden Knights don't host, hoist the cup without whatever cap circumvention they did. And I don't even give a shit that they're circumventing the cap. I give a shit. They won't let me just celebrate the end of Tony D'Angelo in a Flyers uniform. Right. Exactly. We're so close. We're so close. I just want it to be over. I know. So basically with this whole Tony D'Angelo trade situation, circle June or not June circle July 9th on your calendar, because that should be the day that he gets traded. Oh, it's going to be a good day. It makes it makes me just with the time elapsed between when the trade was supposed to happen and when it actually could happen, like the day that it'll be allowed to happen. I just hope that there's not like a second thought somewhere where the Hurricanes are like, wait, a like I hope Eric Tolsky doesn't step in and say, wait a minute, guys, let's. Uh, what are we thinking here? Let's think about this yeah. one. Yeah, like, let's think about. You know, this, this is Tony quick. D'Angelo. We're trying to get back, right? Like, exactly. Never yeah. played a, an ounce of defense his entire life. Now, uh, let me say this though: Tony D'Angelo in his one year in Carolina was like actually good. He wasn't good at defense. Like he's yeah, still. Yeah, Jacob Slavin like, did. All he'll the never be good work. at defense. 
Right. But like he played pretty well for the Hurricanes that he played his role well. I'll say that. Um, and all the Hurricanes need for him is to play his role. They don't need him to play the role that he played for the Flyers, because if they did, that would be terrible hey. and that would be hey. dumb. But the Hurricanes aren't hey, dumb. Watch your tongue. So. <laughs> nice. Watch your tongue. Oh, my God. Ugh, just just get rid of him, please, for the love of God. TDA is almost gone. I. It's honestly very funny to think about what this We team... think. We think he's I almost I said gone. almost. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm not saying definitively, but he's almost gone. But... It's very funny to think about what this defense is going to look like next season. It's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a. It's actually kind of funny because, like, you know, you look at even if Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson both come back one hundred percent, like at, you know, their best possible physical shape that they can be in, that's great. And the forward group is going to be much improved. The problem is the defense the defense is going to be so bad that no matter how much the forwards improve, the Flyers are just going to get shellacked next season. What, like what's going I, I feel to be, bad for Carter Hart. What's going to be hysterical to me is when Risto still doesn't make the top pairing. I am unsure that he won't make the top pairing. I'm telling you, they're going to try it for a Honestly. game and then they're going to be like, "No, this still doesn't work." <laughs> For some reason, that guy who makes five mil a season just cannot be your top pairing guy. It's truly still a stunning move to this day on Chuck Fletcher's part. Well, make no mistake, they're going to try it. Oh, they are. And I wouldn't be surprised if they try it for a good length of time. Because there's nobody else. I was looking over the depth chart. There's nobody. Well, all right. So who do we got? We got got Walker, right? We, okay, so let me, Ronnie uh, Adderd because I don't, I don't feel like like using any brain power. Helge Granz, I'm tired. So, all right, we got Travis Sanheim, Rasmus Ristolainen, Sean Walker, Nick Sealer, Cam York. I think there's a real possibility Cam York could be on the first pair um, because he basically he basically was. If, if Sandheim gets traded 100%, Cam York is on the first pair. And even if he oh, doesn't, yeah. Cam York still might be the guy because he was objectively, not objectively, but you could you could argue that he was the Flyers' best defenseman last season. Well, I mean, yeah, he played pretty well once he came up and he formed that pairing with Ivan Provorov. And for a little bit, they actually performed pretty well together. Um, but then it kind of crashed and burned after a while. So I feel like it's... I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if Cam York is playing on the top pair at left D and then maybe you get Sean Walker to play right D. Um, Cause I don't think it'd be a great idea to have York on a pairing with Ristolainen. I, I, I don't know. It sounds like a, a disaster. It doesn't sound great for Cam York. So I would rather put him with kind of like a low key, um, do the little things right kind of defenseman like Sean Walker. Because Sean Walker's good, and he's a right-shot defenseman. It kind of makes sense. It would allow Cam York to play on his left side. On his left side. Um, and um, Sean Walker's like, don't get me wrong. He's not some sort of um, incredible fix-it-all defenseman, but like he's good. So maybe he works there. But at the same time, you also have to wonder, are they going to try and flip Sean Walker at next year's trade deadline for something too? Because he only has one year left on his contract. So would they want to pair Travis or Travis and him? Would they want to pair Cam York with someone who they're just going to trade away? 
I feel like they, considering Cam York's importance within the organization, they might want to pair him with someone um, who might be around a while. I, I, and who that is begs that? the questions. That begs the questions, Steve. Nick Sealer, first pair defenseman? I just found out how old Nick Sealer is. And, like, how much longer is he going to be around? So, well, here's the thing. So, Nick Sealer only has one year left on his contract. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Flyers sign him to, like, two or three year extension He's or something. He's 30. Like I know. He's 30. Like, how much longer is he going to be here? Like, I feel like his NHL biological clock is ticking right now. Like, I. Sure, you got one solid season out of a 29 year old defenseman, but, like, how much longer is he really going to. Like, I. I I'm not a believer. I'm seal team six. I am not a believer in. I'll tell you what. I, I like Nick sealer a lot. He seems like a good dude from what I can tell. At least he seems fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, he got into a pretty funny fight and, it, and he did some stuff. He's, he played well last season. Like granted, it was like a third line role and I don't think he should be playing a first line role. I don't think he should be, I don't think he should get those type of minutes, but like he was good yeah, for his role last was. year. And like, I have to give him credit. Credit where it's due. He, I enjoyed, I didn't despise watching him play. I didn't, I wasn't nervous whenever he stepped onto the ice. Like whenever Risto was out there or even Provorov sometimes, I was like, oh God, here we go. Get ready. Oh, often with you know, Risto. So, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens, not, but it's not looking pretty. I don't know what's going to happen. Not yeah. looking pretty. And then the other big trade topic, and it was funny because that was what you kind of transitioned with we awkwardly transitioned into this, but Carter Hart is really the big name. And I don't know. I don't think Carter Hart's getting traded. I don't think anybody's blowing away Danny Breer to the degree that he needs to be blown away. But uh, any, yeah. any news on that front recently quakes? Um, all I know about Carter Hart is that, and these are just based on reports that I've seen is that um, the, fl- <laughs> The, the goalie market is really saturated right now. There's, like, going to be a lot of goalie movement. Um, and I just feel like if it was a different year where there's, like, only Carter Hart and, like, maybe two or three w- or one or two other notable goalies who were, like, perhaps available for trade, then it would be a bit of a different situation. I think then maybe they would get some insane offers for him. But like considering there are so many goalies just being dangled out there. Hell yeah, Bucks the out trade there. Market. Hell Bucks out there. Um, who else, who I mean, else is out there? With There's him out there. Like, I think a Boston. He's phenomenal. The, the Bruins goalies, I think both of them could be out there. Um, it's weird. Like there's a lot that could happen in the goalie market right now. It's just, there's so much happening and there's potential for so much movement that I feel like teams are still trying to figure out the situation and like teams aren't quite as desperate as they would be if it was like just Carter Hart and like one other guy trying to make a a potential change. So, but the thing with Carter Hart is like, I don't know, like there's, it's obvious they're still listening. Like there have been nonstop reports about the flyers, like listening to offers on Hart, and, um, they're not going to make that trade unless they get something absolutely crazy. Just a wild package. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I could see them trading him, but I know it's uh, 
it's going to be it's going to require a very specific type of return for that to happen and i don't know if they're going to get that return until the trade deadline next year or maybe even uh the year after that but the year after that um he'll be a restricted free agent now that's notable obviously because if it was a UFA, then he would have more leverage. As an RFA, he doesn't have quite as much leverage. So they could possibly trade his um, negotiating rights to a different team and, you know, go from there. But, yeah, I think with this being the last year on his contract, like, they got to trade him at the trade deadline. Right? Right? Like, they have to. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to trade him, unless they want to commit, you know, I guess you could commit. He's young enough. You could commit, yeah, but... I don't know. With the amount of goalies that they drafted this year, Steve, it makes you wonder. I mean, who do we we got Felix Sandstrom already? We got Cal Peterson now in the fold. Then you got I, Sam. Cal Erskine. Peterson's nothing. I I agree. I don't think he's going to be much of he anything. He was a salary dump they, from the Kings. I'm not considering him in the gang at all. I I agree. I'm not expect. I have literally no expectations for Cal Peterson, but. It wasn't all that long ago that he was playing some solid hockey for the Kings. And he was like considered the next, the guy to kind of take over for Jonathan Quick. Um, So I don't know. I'm not expecting anything from him, but like he was that guy at one point for the Kings. So you got, you got him, you got Sandstrom, who I don't really have many expectations for either. Um, But then you got Sam Urson. You got Ivan Fedotov, and I know his situation is weird. Who knows if he'll ever play for the Flyers? I personally, I don't think he will, but you never know. Um, and then now you add two more goalie prospects, and the one that the first, uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, but the prospect the Flyers drafted in, uh, I believe it was the second round, they traded up to get him. Um, excuse me, Carson um, Bjarnason. Uh, for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Hey! Ron Hextall is the general manager of the Flyers again, I guess. Um, they picked him number 51 overall. He was the number one goalie by um, NHL Central Scouting for North America. So, I mean, they're really banking on goalies. And they are adding a lot of goalies to the system. And it makes you wonder, like, huh, interesting. Wonder what that means. <laughs> you could read it like that. I, I mean, I, Carter Hart's one of those guys that until they actually trade him, I'm not quite sure I believe they're going to trade him. Right. I mean, l- listen, <coughs> excuse me. I don't think they're going to trade Carter Hart imminently. I don't think I, I don't think they want to trade him. I think they want him to be the guy because I think that he could be the guy, but I think they also have to, they, they, they need to do the right thing and listen to every single offer they get. Oh, I I know that if they get something crazy. And again, that's what it all comes down to. Are they going to get a package big enough that would make you be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I would trade anybody for that. Um, You got to do it. And I think they're waiting for that. And one day, would it be shocking if a team like, kind of pulled the trigger and said, we'll give you three first round picks and all these NHL ready prospects for them. Like maybe they will. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I could see them. I could see them trading him for the right offer, but I don't see that offer coming in, coming right now. Well, 
Maybe at the trade deadline. I don't know. We know that Danny Briere has been very busy, very encouraging sign. This is maybe the most energized. I mean, I've said this a couple times at this point, but this is the most energized I've been about this team in a good long oh. while. Yeah. And it's funny because like, <laughs> I think the thing that the Flyers have been fearing is like, we can't tank. We can't let our fans down. They want to see us win. And it's like, Right now, their dedication to kind of not winning has fans more excited than they've ever been since at least my time keeping up with the Flyers and watching hockey. So it's very funny to me personally. My one buddy who doesn't, he, he just casually follows the Flyers. He's more of a, a Sixers, Phillies, Eagles guy. Uh, he texted me last night. He's like, are the Flyers doing the process now? And I'm like, eh, a little bit, but you know. Not quite to the degree that the Sixers did it, but they're at least doing something resembling rebuilding, which is something they have needed to do for a couple of years now, and it's a huge relief. Yeah. No, I mean, and especially with um, Matt Mishkov in the fold, it's kind of like, and I think uh, Charlie actually asked this during uh, um, the press conference after they drafted Mishkov, like, does this kind of put, like, a deadline for like the end of the rebuild. And like Danny Briere said, like, no, not really. Like he's only one piece. We want to add a lot. It's the right answer. But like, yeah, and it is the right answer, but like, it does make you wonder like, you know, 2026, 27 season. That's the Mishkov season. Like, is that when they're trying to become good? So then when he comes over there, he's ready to put them over the top. You would think honestly, because I mean, I, I would also think that Comcast's, patience for a rebuild can only last so long and i'm sure they asked danny coming into this like what his timeline is so the great thing about mishkov is it does give you kind of the framework right for a timeline that three-year range which i think is appropriate because you've also got your your developing players in cutter gotier tyson forrester uh cam york's already up with the club and successful you know, you're starting to see some of the pieces come into place. There's just a lot more to build because a hockey team, it, there's just so many pieces to make a successful hockey team unless you luck into a Bedard or a McDavid. And even when you get those right. guys, I mean, we've talked about this with Edmonton. They have two of the best players in the world. Two of the top five, maybe, I mean, ten definitely, maybe the top five players, and they can't even make it to the Western Conference Final. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, luck is very heavily involved and it feels well, like it's luck, but it's also building a complete team. I mean, it's hard, man, especially there's just so many pieces with an NHL team. That's what I'm trying to say. It's yeah. like you've got three right. defensive pairings. You've got four lines, two goaltenders, you know, like you really have to do a lot of work to build a successful NHL team. I, no, I agree. I'm totally with you, but it like it also does take luck and I feel like this is the first time the Flyers have gotten lucky like this. And how long? I can't remember. I mean, you could say the Nolan Patrick draft, but then they got I mean, the monkey's yeah, paw but... with that one. Yeah, that <laughs> didn't great, go great. So, you know, it's the old, the old now, Homer Simpson bit with the, the Froger where he's like, uh, oh, you got the number two pick. That's good. It's Nolan Patrick. That's bad. Yeah. Um, Stanley Cup champion, Nolan Patrick to you. You know, I played as many games in that Stanley Cup final as he did, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, Steve, we have somehow passed over the most 
honestly the biggest news of the weekend. What's that? Louis Belpedio is back, baby. Who is that? <laughs> so, Louis Belpedio is a defenseman for the Phantoms. He hasn't played. He's played four total NHL games since the 2017-18 season. All of them were with the Minnesota Wild. Um, he was drafted by the Minnesota Wild. And who was the general manager of the Minnesota Wild that year that he got drafted? Chucky two trades. Chucky two trades. The man, the myth, the bland legend. So Chucky two trades signed. I believe he signed Louis Belpedio. I don't believe it was a trade. Um, I believe he was brought into the Flyers and signed. Um, and he was going to be a free agent this year. Until now, he's not. <laughs> now he is officially. Yeah, he signed last summer with the Flyers. Louis Belpedio just sounds like a cousin of a South Philly guy. Like you're just talking to a guy in South Philly. He's like, oh yeah, my cousin Louis Belpedio, you know, he he can hook you up. Yeah, I don't think he can hook up the Flyers with good defense. <laughs> I don't know anybody who can hook He's, up the Flyers with good defense. They really got to find. Let me let me say this: Louis Belpedio seems like a terrific person, from what I can tell. Um, but it's he's just clearly not an NHL player. Like he's he played seventy games with the Phantoms last year. Um, he's just he's mainly an AHL player at this stage in his career. So yeah. good for him. The funny thing about the <laughs> about the Louis Belpedio signing though is like minutes after reports started coming out about the Flyers and Blues having this big blockbuster trade with all these assets and pieces involved, the Flyers tweeted, he's back, or something like that, and saying, like, we have re-signed Louis Belpedio to a two-year, two-way contract. And it's like, wow, that was hilarious timing. <laughs> he's back. Who? I, I don't think they said he's back. Jesus? I can't remember. Gabba? Yeah. <laughs> He's risen, Steve. Um, he is risen, and it's Louis Belpedio. Let me. I want to go back and find the exact verbiage they used. It might not have been as dramatic as like he's back or anything like guess that. Guess who's but, back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Let's see. When did all that happen? Let's take a look. Uh. Oh yeah. Okay. So they just okay. So they just tweeted it out like, we have signed defenseman Louis Belpedo to do two year two. Ah, now I'm disappointed. I wish it was a whole big deal yeah. over just a whole bunch of nothing. That would have been funny. It would have been funny. Whatever. Would have been. So, Quiggs, I hate to cut it off here because I have so much more to talk about. I have so much to talk about. And the next one, I'm just going to have some teasers. I mean, we got to talk about the Flyers New Jersey's next time. I have so many comments. Oh, my God. How did we not talk about that? Yeah, we got to talk about that next time. I'm completely out of gas, actually. I hit a wall totally just now. It's one of the most exhausting weeks of my life. But uh, we got to talk about the Flyers New Jersey's. I promised fire... Chuck Fletcher on Twitter that we talk about Chuck Fletcher on 32 thoughts. We got to talk about the rest of the draft. I got to talk about one of my stories from hitting the road in central PA last weekend. Got a lot to talk about. So we will be back next week. I'm not sure what day yet, but we will figure it out. It's a fourth of July week. So it'll be a tough one to figure out, but we will do it because we need to supply you people with tangy tent, especially around the draft, but we had to get out and talk about Mishkov tonight. I mean, incredible flyers news and a potential game changer for this franchise that we have desperately needed. Wild week altogether. Crazy week for the flyers. And, uh, who knows maybe the next time we do this pod there'll be 
even more to talk about. I love it. I love that anytime I log on to good old Twitter, I could find something monumental about the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers. It's it's right now I love this is a really fun time for them. Like in a both in a good way and like a, you know, rumors type I love some good rumors, especially from, you know, real sources and not just somebody who's making up secondhand news. But uh, I love rumor season. It's great time of year. One of the best. It is. It is. And uh, rumors, a a great album. But Quakes wouldn't know that because he only knows Pat Benatar's catalog and not Fleetwood Mac's. Yep, that's true. It's actually funny. I was listening to Fleetwood Mac earlier today. (laughs) I found I was going through some old records and uh, my, my dad just dumped a bunch of records off of my front door like last year and one of them was like a pat benatar and i i, I was laughing with about it with emily <laughs> amazing i think actually that was taken i love that we had uh we had a moving company in philadelphia uh mambo movers moved us and at the end of the move emily asked the guys like oh we have a box of records do you if you like records you want to take a look and like they took like half the records it was great i that would be like a gold mine for me i love that stuff. oh yeah like give me some old records i would go through it yeah, yeah, that's yeah awesome. i think they took the pat benatar though so there you go <laughs> there were some weird ones in there some bands i had never even heard of but we'll, we'll talk about that next time i'll go through the the records we can talk about the chuck fletcher interview we can talk about the new jerseys and all sorts of fun stuff but i'm gonna fall asleep at my desk if i don't go soon so that's it that's it that's all there is folks you're beautiful people thank you so much for listening if you have any feedback the best place is still unfortunately twitter.com.org.edu.ca.musk quigs where can people find you on the twitters find me on twitter at ryan quigs with a z you can find my work at the hockey news just wrote a really fun story about matvey mishkov and when he will eventually come over um Really exciting time. This is a really fun time for the Flyers, and I'm excited to be able to cover this new era of orange. There you go. I'm now a believer in the new era of orange. Mishkov's Misfits, mount up, baby. You can find me at Estebaum or Fly Purbly if it's for hockey purposes. Make it Fly Purbly. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. Oh, my what? I, I just, you just helped me come up with a good idea. Yeah. So it's Matvey Mishkov, right? Yeah. What if when he comes over, the fans create a section of the fan base called the Mishfits? There we go. The Mishfits, and then you do the Misfit style shirt. And and yeah, Misfit style shirt. Oh my God. Wh- whoever's listening, Flyers, make it happen. Play where Eagles I dare whenever Eagles he comes dare. out onto the where ice. Eagles dare is. Oh I'm, my god! Like, okay, I'm. I have energy again thinking about where Eagles dare. Because yeah, I know. It's such a, this banger, a good idea. Total banger. I've seen somebody, a local artist in Philadelphia, makes a, a gritty style Misfits shirt or like a pin or something like that, and it's awesome. So something like that for uh, Mishkov. Let's do it in three years. <laughs> Whoever Flyers, I know you're listening. The Mishfits. I know you are. I love it. The Mishfits. Mishfits. There we go. Mishfits. Mishfits. I think Mishfits. I don't know if it's Mish. I think Mishfits sounds more like the name pronunciation, but it sounds Mishfits sounds right. Matvey Mishkov. I think it's Mishkov. Mishfits. Well, let's just. Mish- I think Mishfits yeah. sounds better off the tongue. So let's just go with that. Yeah. Mount up. Well, there we go, folks. That's that's. If you like Matvey Mishkov, which I know you do. You're a misfit. You're a misfit. Let's all 
gather up and celebrate our boy Mate. I am so excited for that. But one last thank you to the Philadelphia Flyers for their support of the BSH Draft Party, and a huge thank you to Clear Rum for their continued uh, support of the blog and the Draft Party. You guys are freaking awesome. I'm also about to fall asleep at my desk, but folks, that's it. Thank you so much, and until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 it's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stroh showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.